current events and they're going on now. And so we need to be encouraged in our faith. We don't want to just go through these prayers, you know, just reciting a bunch of prayers with no understanding of what's going on. So that's one of the reasons why we do this this way. And so I'm going to let Miss Nola share with you how God spoke to her uh, and confirm that we're on the right track when we're doing this. Amen. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Monday, April 4th, because you can go back and watch it, on the 700 Club, uh, Gordon Robinson was on, and he talked about the persecuted church. And so the story started out is he highlighted they had actual numbers how many Christians were killed 2015, 2014, and so on. So that's what caught my attention. And then they showed – and they – and he said, it's the genocide. And I thought about us getting, you know, the stories of Passover I've been reading about between the two tigers. Because when you first hear that, it just sounds so barbaric. And are people really living like this? And so then on the 700 Club, for it to be highlighted like that and talk to the different people in the Middle East who are actually seeing their loved ones be killed because of their faith, it was like right up in your face. And, I, and Gordon Robinson said, let's finally call it what it is. He said, it's the persecuted church. And it was so good for him to, because he has a voice, God has given him a platform. And so when God gives somebody something like that, he said, let's finally call it what it is. He said, it's the persecuted church. And he said, it is a genocide. They do want to eliminate Christians the way they eliminated the Jews. And so he said, the government needs to wake up. This is actually happening. And, you know, last year, Pastor, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, Pastor Shirley did that poster, and she has all those those countries, Bangladesh and Yemen and, and Saudi Arabia and Iran and Iraq, all these in the, in the pictures where these people are underground, preaching the gospel, being beheaded, putting their life on the line every day. And at the end of that story, he had a list of the exact same countries that we pray for. And it was on television. And it was just, and you know, we're forerunners. But it was such a confirmation that this is serious. And, you know, and that book, it just came more alive. And what we're doing, we're not wasting our time. Amen. It was just, it was awesome. And one more thing that encouraged me with uh, that that uh, show on Monday, he highlighted the prisons. And, you know, we've been praying. We've had that prison prayer in this prayer manual for over 20 years. And there's a gentleman that was in, he's out now. He was in prison for 35 years. And he got, so he got saved while, while this ministry has been in existence. He got saved, went through Rick Renner's program, uh, Your Purpose Driven Life. And so he was able to introduce that teaching into the prisons. And he has over 200 converts. Rick Renner was able to come in. These prisoners are getting baptized at the jails. And the warden called, and he asked, he said, what are you doing? He said, because there's no gang violence, there's no strife, there's no murders. And, you know, we've been praying this. We also have a prison poster that we pray. And so it was encouraging to me. I mean, I know I'm a watchman. You know what I'm saying. That's my blood. But it's just encouraging when the world is seeing that this needs attention as far as the persecuted church and that God is moving in prisons. They're just not, they're not people who have fallen and the devil can have them and no one cares about them anymore. And so it's just a blessing to know that our, that the Lord is answering our prayers and he's raising up other voices to echo what we're doing. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Thanks, Ms. No. Praise God. I so appreciate when people 
you know, look out for things like that. You know, of course, your watchman, you're going to notice things that are important to God. You know, stay focused on the spiritual things. You know, I know many times we have issues, we have concerns, but, uh, you know, keep it in perspective. Uh, keep the concerns of God on the front burner in your life and you won't have so many of your own concerns up there you know what i'm saying he'll take care of those in short order i'm a witness to that he doesn't want us distracted by the cares of this life when we're serving him amen it's a distraction from your real purpose yeah the reason we pray our finance and health prayer consistently every time we get together and you pray it with your prayer partners is to keep those areas taken care of keep them in faith keep god uh working in those areas so you're not distracted from your real call you you can't be distracted from these things amen so you know whenever the devil kicks up is to keep you focused defocus you from what's really important and that is you fulfill what god called you put you in the earth to do you know he's you've got to fulfill these things you know there's a real purpose for us being here but for real though you know <laughs> amen so praise god so i'm gonna uh again read you some things from uh between two tigers this is a story of vietnamese christians and i was just sharing <clears throat> i think the last time or time before how it it now it's come home to me how important the vietnam war really was during the 70s and all of these wars in asia uh in the middle east and in places like that where islam is is trying to get a foothold in people's lives and communism anything but god and so it's it's encouraging to get involved in these things because real souls are at stake and real lives are at stake these are real people who need to know the lord and there are governments set up to keep them from finding god you know but but there is a church that's working still to make sure people get to really know the one true and living god and, and i'm just happy to be a part of that amen i really really am so we, we do what we can do. You know, we pray, we give, we support them, we do what we can do uh, so that they can survive and keep going. But but it's amazing to me the, the way that these wars are run now. They're not, uh, we this our government somehow has missed it as far as uh, the rules of engagement of war because they don't really engage the enemy to defeat them totally. They just keep this low-level strife going all the time, and the enemy has no rules. But we've got all the rules. We have to restrain ourselves. We have to only fire if fired upon and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's almost like a play war to most of these people. And so we need to get somebody in authority in our nation who will fight a real war so that we can get this stuff over with. Amen and uh, bring the enemy down the way he's supposed to be brought down so we're praying along those lines too that god raise up a leader in this nation who will fight a real war and we don't have to keep going over and over again you know uh, september 11th never should have taken place you know it never should have uh, because there was opportunity in place to get osama bin laden they said at least four times when bill clinton was president and he never did it and so we have to understand that we have to have people who are courageous enough to move in these opportunities and so we we need to get stronger and bolder in our prayers this is no time to take prayer lightly 
uh, it's not time to be, you know, just get unwrapped in yourself. You know, just unwrap your little mummy clothes, your little grave clothes, take your grave clothes off, and let your spirit man get free so your spirit man can do what God's called you to do down here, you know. You're not just called to, to um, you know, have a good job and have a good family, good this, good this. What about your good God and people who are like you, Christians in other countries, who don't have anything? Amen. You know, the church will have to answer for certain things, you know, and I, I think it's okay if we support and help financially, but sometimes we need to get on our knees more. Sometimes we need to go into these places and, and uh, you know, and pray for these people who are going into uh, these very dangerous areas and not, uh, not really knowing what's going to happen, but they have a heart to serve people and, and to introduce Christ to them. So let's get focused and get serious on this. And, you know, it's not about us anymore. You know, God will take care of you. You know, don't ever worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. And Jesus asked a good question. He said, doesn't your life consist of more than that? And that's a question we all individually have to answer. Isn't your life more than food and clothing? Isn't there more to you than that? Isn't there more to in, in your life to desire? Why are you still struggling over how much you're going to have and, and all of this and whether you're going to have this and where this is going to come from? Quit struggling over that and seek what God wants you to do, and he'll add that stuff. It's a matter of your focus, you know. Get your focus on him. He'll add anything and everything that you need. Amen? He says he'll do it. He'll do it. Amen? Well, he's not, he's not trying to shortchange us. He's a good God. Amen? But it's so important at all times, and I feel an urgency more now than ever to pray, you know. Uh, amen. Amen. And I thank God for faithful people. We don't need a large numbers. God will say by many or by few. But the few who are need to be faithful. Amen. Just just be faithful and be where God wants you to be when he wants you to be there. Amen. And let him be your, you are his delight. So delight in serving him the same way. Amen. All right. So this one is uh <clears throat> Uh, chapter 14 in, in uh, Between Two Tigers. I know you can get these yourselves, but uh, if you don't feel you want to buy them, you, you don't have to. But I, I decided to go ahead and get a copy because it was recommended to me. Uh, our friend L.S. Sexton told me about uh, these stories, and, and uh, he, you know, his heart is toward the lost wherever they are. And so it was a good, good thing to listen to him. Communism or Christ? He said, I had a good upbringing. I was raised in a Christian family, went to church, sang in the choir, and gave money to the ministry. I would travel, talking about Jesus to many Christians, until 1975 when the communists took over. Then I went to work for the communist government as a teacher in the elementary school. From 1975 to 78, I still loved the Lord in my heart. The leader of the school asked me to attend meetings of the Communist Youth League. They asked me to become a member of the Communist Party, but not to mention Jesus. In my heart, I made a decision not to do this. In your heart, that's where it makes all the difference in the world. Whatever you purpose in your heart to do, God sees that. He'll you know, reward you accordingly. So he says, but from that time on, my Christian life went downhill. I didn't pray. I didn't read the Bible. My life became like other people in the world. 
I did everything and was not scared of anything. In 19, bless you, 1983, I coughed up blood. <clears throat> my kidneys also malfunctioned. One part of my heart could not work normally. My lungs and throat were also swollen. I went to the hospital for six months, but the hospital could not help me. The hospital said that my kidneys made me very weak. It, I was very sad and wanted to commit suicide. One Sunday, the son of a pastor came to visit me. He asked me about my sickness. Do you have enough money to go to the hospital? I shook my head and said, no, I will die. This brother said, if the hospital cannot help you, there is only one person who can help. He is Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, your sins will be forgiven and your body can be healed. At that time, I didn't believe. I wondered if God could heal me. I told this brother, if Jesus is alive and if he heals my life, I will believe in him and surrender my life to him. Soon my body began to grow stronger and I felt healthy. I began to trust in God. I went to church and told my brother and sister about the miracle God did in my life. From then on, I returned to the Lord. I used to work with the Christian Missionary Alliance Church, and many people believed in Jesus. But I desired to serve the Lord in a larger area. When I serve God, at times I get tired. I don't have enough time to study the Bible or have many opportunities to be trained. I started to serve the Lord in children's ministry. In the Central Highlands, we no longer have a church building. The government had closed it. So we were meeting in the house of a pastor in the Tin Lan Church. I taught Sunday school and became a deacon in this church. In the big cities, a Christian can be a teacher, but in the Central Highlands, the local governments are quite strict, and the persecution is very intense in some areas. Sometimes a Christian cannot become a teacher. Pleiku is one of the strictest places. One day, the government called me to the office of the vice president of the education board. There were two government education officers sitting at the table wearing gloves. When they interviewed me, they wrote in a book all that I had said. They questioned me for about two hours, asking me when I believed in Jesus and what I did in the church. I told them why I believe in Jesus and why I serve him. After that, they commanded me to write a report of what happened in my life when I believed in Jesus, when I started to serve the Lord, and why I believe in Jesus. They left and gave me time to write. Later, then, when they returned to the room, they said, because of the decision of the high authorities, we will not allow you to continue to teach in the school. The education officers also summoned two Christian brothers of the Bana tribe who were teachers. The Bana Christians also agreed that they would accept dismissal and leave their teaching rather than deny Christ. My brother is also a Christian. He said, if they will not let you teach school, you can come back and work on the farm because it is God's will. So when they dismissed me, I walked the 10 kilometers back to the farm and went to work. I planted vegetables and potatoes, but in spite of the work, I took time to serve the Lord. Many times I'm very tired, but that does not bother me. <laughs> very tired, but. How many of us very tired, and that's the end of the sentence? <laughs> yeah. When you're tired, you do what? You quit. You stop. 
It's one of the main ways the enemy has to steal what God's given from us, you know, make the vessel too tired to press on. <laughs> so he says, uh, oh, where was I at? All right. Oh, okay. He says, many times I'm very tired, but that does not bother me. When I serve the Lord, I see his hand on my life and his protection even in dangerous situations. When you serve him, you see that. Since 1975, the persecution in my area of Pleiku has been constant. All the churches were closed and all the pastors were kicked out of this area. They still do not allow pastors to live there except for one Vietnamese. According to Vietnamese propaganda, the police do not say anything about the Bible, but among proper among the tribal people, whenever they see a Bible, they take it. They have taken the Bibles in our area, but some Christians hid them in their houses. When we go to a house church meeting, we do not take our Bibles with us because the police will take them. Bibles are in short supply. So we go to the lowlands to ask other Christians for a Bible. Then we hide it in our sacks. Some Sundays we go to a meeting in Ho Chi Minh City. Since 1985, the police come and seize the Bibles depending on the situation and their mood. They use the Bibles as evidence. One policeman with six others told us he was a captain. He stopped the meeting, wrote a report, and took all our Bibles. Another time, 20 of us were worshiping together when the police came. They said that our Bibles were printed before communist rule 1975. Isn't that when they pulled out of Vietnam? When our, yep, 75, yep. So they were not allowed. They took all the Bibles, hymn books, and other materials, about 38 kilograms or 80 pounds of books, from the pastor's house and never returned them. Some of the brothers at the meeting did not bring their Bibles. At the American emperor in the Tinlan church some officials say that Christianity is a religion that comes from Europeans and Americans so they use the same excuse everywhere you know that's white man's religion you know whatever they brought the word which the police say is like an American emperor coming into Vietnam since 1600s Vietnamese rulers have consistently opposed Christianity wow some brothers and sisters bring Bibles for us and for the Christians in the lowlands, and we carry these to the highlands. But the tribal people still lack Bibles and do not have much freedom to worship. I went to evangelize the Bana and Jora tribes. Whenever I go there, I always encounter persecution from the government. Spies usually follow us. Could you imagine that? Because of worship, because you serve God, the whole government is against you. Some villages are 90% Christian, yes, so people do not report us. But in some villages with about 50% Christians, the other non-Christians will instantly report to the police if they see any strange person like a foreigner or Vietnamese. On our way home, the police usually stop us on the road and arrest us. If we are with the local pastors, the police say we work together with the Americans and the Europeans to invade our country. They say the local pastor is a spy for the foreigners. The police have followed me many times and have commanded all the people in the village, if you see Nguyen Dong in this village, report it to us immediately. In certain places, I must travel at night, sometimes by bicycle, sometimes on foot. 
Excuse me. Thank you. Oh, one devil left. The farthest village, about 50 kilometers away, may take four hours travel time. Other places take two hours. I carry only one Bible, which I put on the back of my bicycle or hide it on my body. I use a flashlight, holding it with one hand and guiding the bicycle with the other. Sometimes my light jerks all around the road because the roads are not flat. Usually the road has many rocks and a lot of gravel and dirt. There are many elephant holes, big holes. Sometimes I fall off my bike and get scratched, especially in the rainy season. I have to go through streams, and in some places the water is very deep. There may be a bridge, usually a tree with a wooden handrail. I must put my Bible in a plastic bag, then tie it on the back of my bicycle so it never gets wet. I do not take any food with me. They usually feed me in the village. The food of the tribal people is different from Vietnamese food. They serve rice, fish, chicken, squirrels, rabbits, and sometimes jungle pig. To catch these wild animals, they use traps made with a bent tree limb and a circle of rope. If an animal approaches, the, roach will, the rope will catch them and hang them in the air. If the people don't have meat, they eat rice with salt. I help start some house churches in these tribes. A tribal Christian goes with me to visit his relatives in another village where we develop relationships. Then we share about Jesus. Although the people know Vietnamese, I must use the Bana language to talk with them. They do not accept Jesus immediately. We must visit them many times before they do. Once my bicycle broke down on the way to a village. Because I stopped to repair it, I was late. I arrived 15 minutes after the police left the village. The Lord's hand was in that. My bicycle never broke down again. On May 28, 1993, in the Mangian district, all the Christians in a village joined together. As new people came to our prayer meeting, we continued in prayer for the village for days. On May 30th, there were 61 new converts. Amen. They continued in prayer for days. Amen. The news traveled throughout the village. I heard then that the police were coming. I asked God what I should do. I felt the Lord saying that since I had his love, I would not be scared. I sensed the Lord wanted me to stay there. I stayed at the meeting until two policemen came. The police arrested me that morning and took me in handcuffs to the district police station. There they took my picture and fingerprints. My solitary cell was three meters by two and a half meters. There was a cement slab for a bed and a hole in the floor for a toilet. The only light came through a small window. That afternoon, 40 Bana Christians joined together in the same meeting, and 30 police came in a jeep on foot and on motorbikes to arrest them. These 40 Christians walked quietly to the police station, herded between the motorcycles and jeep. Each day for three days, the Christians walked one kilometer back and forth from their village so police could interrogate them in the station. I climbed up the wall holding the iron door to look outside. I saw the believers walking on the road. At that time, I had two children, and my wife was expecting another in about ten days. She came to visit me before she gave birth. I had already been in prison six days. She got up early in the morning for the trip and rode on the bicycle 20 kilometers, carrying our two girls on her back. The police gave her two hours to visit me. My wife was smiling. She brought me a mosquito net. 
our family prayed together in the prison yard. As we sat on the ground, our two daughters came over to sit in our laps. My wife asked me what I was eating and about the conditions in prison. She was afraid that they would beat me. I said, this is the work of God, so I am ready to accept this. Go back and take care of the children. We said a simple goodbye, and she left with the girls. I was in prison only 10 days. Each day after interrogation, I spent time singing and praying in my cell. After they released me, my wife gave birth to a girl. When I prayed to God, he gave me Jeremiah 33.3. Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. Whenever I go to preach the gospel, God gives me a verse in the Bible, such as Exodus 23:20. 20. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. In 1992, a brother from Ho Chi Minh City came to organize a seminar. In the area where I go to evangelize, there are about 30,000 Christians among the Bana and Joe Rai tribes. We go there and teach them and sometimes have Bibles to bring them. We could only bring about 100 Bana and Joe Rai language Bibles and about 200 Vietnamese Bibles. So they only have 300 Bibles for 30,000 Christians. So they have a very uh, short uh, shortage of Bibles in these places because they're confiscated by the government. So that's one of the things that we can pray for them, uh, that their, their supply would increase, that they would, as fast as the government takes them, God would replace them. Amen. So that they have more than enough Bibles for, for the needs that they have there. I was going to share with you a couple of things, a couple more things from the uh, Voice of the Martyrs website. Uh, that's the one <clears throat> that we go on to get our prayer uh, prayer leads. And so they have some information on there, some very short exhortations about prayer. And then after that, we'll pray. Um, they Remember we said you can sign up for their prayer request on a monthly basis. So we'll, we'll pray those every month because they thankfully they only pray uh, change one month at a time. So that's good for us in our meeting. We can keep up with them. But there's a little short essay here. Prayer is taking sides. Some Christians refuse to listen to the stories of the persecuted church. From the physical perspective, they say such stories are depressing. Descriptions of persecution are disturbing, but that's only one side of the story. The other side is their spiritual victory, their willingness to suffer rather than deny the lover of their souls, Jesus Christ. The side of their story that we embrace affects how we pray for them. In, this letter to the, in his letter to the Colossians, Paul exhorted them to remember my chains. Colossians 4.18. Chains are not a pleasant thing to meditate on or pray about. However, neither is the cross, nor the crown of thorns, nor the nails that pierce Christ's body. But again, that's only one side of the story. The other side is eternity with, with and restoration through Christ. What glory. In Philippians 3.10, the Apostle Paul wrote about the power of Christ's resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings in the same sentence. The two concepts are not contradictory. They are complementary. We cannot have his resurrection without his suffering. When Jesus addressed the multitudes in the Sermon on the Mount, he related, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. He was challenging them to return good for evil. 
But perhaps Jesus was also using this illustration to challenge us to uh, change our focus and, and, and turn our gaze. The Greek word for to turn means to turn quite around or reverse. Just a few verses later, Christ said, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. When we shift our focus from the physical things on earth to the things above, Colossians 3.2, how does that affect our, our perspective and ultimately um, how, how we pray for others, especially those who wish to harm us because we believe in Jesus? Our prayers can reflect the depressing circumstances that our persecuted family faces in the world or the overcoming victories that they will gain on behalf of the kingdom. We can pray that while our brothers and sisters are in prison, God will empower them to advance his kingdom. We can pray that their persecutors will fall on their faces in awe at the glory of God. We can pray that as believers sit in a cold, dark cell, they will sing praises to their Christ. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We can pray believers will increase in boldness when their house church leaders are imprisoned. Which side are you taking in your prayers? The, tear, the fearful physical side or the victorious overcoming side? And which side of the story are you telling others? Amen. So that's important, too, that when we share about the persecuted church, we share that they won so many souls. Or they don't want to quit because they consider it an honor to suffer for Christ, you know. It's amazing how much uh, some of this stuff can bring you into perspective on the reality of your situation. You know, you're, you're, the fact that you don't have as much money as you like kind of doesn't make sense when you start looking at what really counts as far as our lives are concerned. All right, faces of prayer. A face is the primary feature that identifies us. The American Heritage Dictionary defines face as the most meaningful surface. Every face that we encounter represents somebody's history and background. It reflects the characteristics of that person's biological parents. It reminds us that this individual is someone's brother or sister, son or daughter, mother or father. A face may tell us if this person has had a hard day or a rough life or what he or she is feeling. It may communicate that person's age, health, and even who he or she does not spend time with, as does or does not spend time with. As Moses came down from Mount Sinai after meeting with the Lord, it is recorded that his face shone, so much so that Aaron and the children of Israel were afraid. Pastor Richard Wormbrand, who endured years of prison and solitary confinement under the communist regime, regime in Romania, emerged from his sentence not with a countenance reflecting despair or hopelessness, but with joy. His face shone because in the dark, cold, lonely, and crude cells he meet with, met with the Lord. God was and still is present in the most hostile environments worldwide. He is everywhere. As a psalmist penned, if I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide shall not hide from you. Prison was not the end for Pastor Wormbrand. In the hell of his prison cell, he met with God, as have many persecuted churches, Christians throughout church history. In the Soviet Union, Iada Skripnikova was imprisoned four times for her witness. She entered prison, a young, beautiful woman, 
but left with a face and body reflecting the harsh conditions she endured. Yet as she left prison, her face shone. The voice of the martyrs presents the most meaningful surface of the persecuted body of Christ, their faces, representing a human life with a story, a family, someone's brother, sister, son, daughter, mother, or father, experiences of heartache and victory, mourning and joy. As you read their stories, spend extra time looking at their faces. Cut out or photocopy the photographs and place them on your refrigerator or in your Bible, bringing their faces into your prayers. As you lift up requests for that person and his or her country, ask that despite opposition and persecution, he or she will remain close to the Lord, leaving his presence with a shining face so that others, even the persecutors, will see and come to know Christ. Okay, the next one is not ashamed to pray. Perhaps one of the biggest stumbling blocks in our prayer life and our relationship with Christ is disappointment. We are disappointed in our spiritual life, job, country, church, and perhaps even our family. If we get to the heart of the issue, our disappointment is directed not at these areas of our lives, but at God. We may ask, how could he allow this thing to happen? Why isn't he helping me overcome these sin issues in my life? Why isn't he rewarding me for my hard work? Why isn't he bringing about revival in our nation? Why isn't he working in our children's hearts? The Apostle Paul had every right to be disappointed in God. Paul was, a given, Paul was given a dramatic salvation experience and was launched into ministry. People were coming to Christ. Religious and government officials were being convicted. It couldn't get any better than that, could it? It did. Paul was thrown in jail. There he wrote several letters which today are cornerstones of the Christian faith. Yet Paul saw his chains not as a disappointment or a setback, but as an opportunity. He wrote to Timothy advising him not to be ashamed of him and used Onesiphorus as an example of one who was not ashamed of his chains. He invited Timothy to share in his suffering through God's power. Then earlier in his letter to the Philippians, he tells them that his imprisonment was furthered, has furthered the gospel, not frustrated it. And more so, his bonds have emboldened believers to preach without fear. As we pray for the persecuted church, let us first evaluate our relationship with Christ. Spend some time alone with God, asking him to reveal areas of your life where you're disappointed in him. If we allow ourselves to be honest, we have accused him of being have we accused him of being indifferent to our trials? Are we viewing our current sufferings as an obstacle for the gospel or an opportunity? Agree with him that your uh, disappointment ultimately is sin. Thank him that he uses all things for his good purposes and then stand on what's true about him. Jesus is a chief cornerstone. The earth is his and all it contains and he is the ruler over the kings of the earth then start praying for your persecuted family who is inviting you to fellowship in their sufferings according to god's power so this is good instruction for us we can do this uh, and examine ourselves uh, you know it's good to examine yourself before you go into the arena of prayer because Sometimes if you, you have hang-ups or considerations, they will hinder your prayers. You don't want your prayers to be hindered. My goodness. 
It's bad enough we take so little time out to do it, I think. It needs to be effective when you when you get before God in prayer. Our most honored guest this is another one. In Luke 7, Simon invited the honored guest to his home, Jesus Christ. Jesus was at Simon's home. While he was there, a woman entered the room and began to weep, pouring an alabaster flask of fragrant oil on Jesus' feet and wiping them with her hair. Watching the exchange, Simon said to himself that if Jesus really was a prophet, he would know who and what kind of woman was at his feet, and in turn, he would put her in her place. But Jesus responded with a parable, the creditor and two debtors, one of him owed more, one of whom owed more. Both were forgiven of their debts, yet the one with the greater debt naturally loved the creditor more. Then Jesus turned to the woman and then to Simon and said, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. Jesus went on to rebuke Simon because he did not offer his honored guests a kiss or oil for his head. Every month you invite guests into your home. The stories of the persecuted body of Christ and voice of the martyrs monthly newsletter. Their overcoming testimonies wash the feet of our souls, giving us fresh perspective. The fresh perspective is fragrant oil on our heads, initially causing some relative discomfort to our Western lifestyles, but in the long run bringing new life. This cloud of witnesses wets our cheeks with a welcome kiss of gratitude, giving us a renewed vigor to embrace what trials God, out of his divine sovereignty, has allowed in our lives, be it chronic illness or conflict-ridden relationships, a rebellious child or bearing no child at all. The world and some religious leaders look, up, look upon such guests, our persecuted family, as worthless, a detriment to their agendas and reputations, much like Simon looked upon the woman at Jesus' feet. In reality, our persecuted brothers and sisters hold the key to inestimable riches that can be unearthed through suffering. Out of gratitude, we return such gestures by washing the feet of our persecuted family with our prayers, our tears, the fragrant aroma of Christ within us, thanking God for their role in the body of Christ. These faithful brothers and sisters keep our motives in check. They encourage, they, their courage causes our seemingly, seemingly insurmountable trials to fade as they are held in the light of the eternal glory that awaits us. Their persistent love for their persecutors gives us endurance in the midst of conflict. Their response to material, material losses show us their confidence in eternal gains, knowing their inheritance is one that is imperishable and rests with Christ. But most importantly, our persecuted family brings us into fellowship with Christ's sufferings. When they weep, we weep. When they rejoice, we rejoice. When they lose a child, we feel their loss. When their brother is put in prison, our brother is imprisoned. Their feet are weary and their heads are aching for the comfort of fresh oil. May we continue to invite these honored guests into our hearts, washing their tired, callous feet with our prayers and anointing their heads with the oil of thanksgiving. Praise God. Amen. Okay. So I'll, um, let me see, I finished these. I'll hold on to this one for next time. And then we'll, we'll pray now for all of these needs that uh, we pulled off the Internet, the monthly needs. And also I'll uh, go over this 
area. We'll take an area of meditation before God, our time of meditation before God to evaluate our relationship with Christ. Because that's so important. If these things don't change us, what are they for? You know, uh, the word of God changes us. All of these testimonies change us. They refocus us. It's a blessing to have a refreshing of, of fresh testimonies of people who really love God and are giving their all for them. So he says, as we pray for the persecuted church, first, let us evaluate our relationship with Christ. You know, put aside every weight and all the things that beset our mind, you know, focusing on self and how much we want this and how much we want that. But evaluate your relationship with Christ. Ask him to reveal areas in your life where you're disappointed in him. If we allow ourselves to be honest, we've accused him of being indifferent toward our trials at times. Are we viewing our, are we viewing our current sufferings as an obstacle for the gospel or an opportunity? Agree with him that your disappointment ultimately is sin and ask him to forgive you and thank him for all the, all the things that he uses for his good purposes and stand on what's true about him. Jesus is a fir- the chief cornerstone, the earth and all it contains, uh, and he is ruler over the kings of the earth. So God is there for us. And if we'll offer up these things to him and ask his forgiveness in these areas where we still have selfishness, we're still not totally focused on the purpose of God. Father, we just thank you for this time of, of honesty before you, Lord. And we don't want to be disappointed. We don't want to be thankless in our lives. But we do thank you that you give us news about our brothers and sisters who are serving you in very difficult situations. It puts into perspective what we face every day. It puts into perspective that we don't have anything really to complain about. It puts us in it puts into perspective that we are blessed beyond what we know. And so, Father, as we prepare our hearts and stand against this persecution, not only among our brothers and sisters, but in this nation, because surely it is increasing against your people. Just as a communist or a government that forced laws against Christians there, our government forces laws against Christians in this nation. And so we want to stand with them and stand against all governmental interference in the gospel, in our relationship with you, and in the things that you want us to do in this earth at this time. So we pray now, right now for protection against persecution. And we submit to you, resist the devil, and he must flee. Father, we command the enemy to flee from us seven ways. Vengeance belongs to you, O God. We resist retaliation against our accusers. We are serving you, so why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? You who sits in the heavens are laughing at them, and we laugh with you. Behold their threatening, stretch forth your hand to heal, O God. Do signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. I declare that the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let them fall by their own counsels. Father, we ask you to judge the people and judge us, O Lord, according to our integrity that is in us. Let the mischief of they who persecute us return upon his own head. Keep us as the apple of the eye. Hide us under the shadow of thy wings. Thank you for teaching our hands to war so that the bow of steel is broken in our arms. 
Thank you that you've given us the necks of our enemies. Shut the mouths of the lions that roar their lies against us and cause the tongue of the wicked persecutors to cleave to the roof of the mouth. Stop the pointing of the finger against your servant. Stop those who point the finger against us without a cause and who hate us. It's time for you to work, Lord. They have made void your law. Lord, we know it's nothing for you to help. Help us, O Lord, our God. Save us according to your mercy. Let our hands prosper and prevail against our enemies. For the Lord is with us as a mighty, terrible one, and therefore our persecutors shall stumble. They shall not prevail. They shall be greatly ashamed. They will never prosper. Their everlasting confusion will never be forgotten, according to Jeremiah 20:11. We thank you, Father, that those who live godly for you will suffer persecution, but will prevail. We pray right now for the family of Hosan Ali and for his killers. We thank you, Lord, that that uh, the man who was uh, he was fatally stabbed in Bangladesh. We request they have requested prayer for their families. This man was 68 years old, and they attacked him on his morning walk. According to no, the local police, attackers fled the scene after stabbing him to death, setting off crude bombs to create panic and confusion. Islamic extremists later claimed responsibility for the murder, calling it a lesson to others. He converted to Christianity from Islam in 1999, and we thank you, Lord. He was a faithful servant. And he requested prayer for those who have beaten him. So we pray for his persecutors. We pray for those murderers. We ask you to grab a hold of their hearts, Lord, and change them and convert them. Cause them to know what they have done is sin. And they can repent and receive you. We thank you for that, Father. We pray for uh, this man who has been in Kazakhstan who was sentenced to two years imprisonment. We pray for Farik, a Muslim learning about Jesus in Saudi Arabia. We pray for a Christian family's child who was run over by a motorbike in the Middle East. We pray for Dan Juma's upcoming eye surgery in Nigeria. We pray for uh, Pastor Mario Felix Leonard Barroso arrested during Obama's visit in Cuba. We pray for our Tamisa who shares the Bible with her family in Albania. We pray for Tom who was kidnapped during a violent attack in Yemen. We pray for Jawad who was persecuted by community members in Lebanon. We pray for Egyptian Christians who receive Bibles in Albania. We pray for church leaders, Muslim mob protesters, uh, church construction in Indonesia. We pray for D, a teenager living in a safe house in Laos. Uh, in Laos, we pray also for Abel and Sabia planning training conferences in Pakistan. We pray for protection of Abu's Christian family in the Middle East. And we pray uh, for India, for believers who were attacked in India. And we thank you, Father, for coming to the aid of all persecuted Christians. We say they will not die. They will live and de- continue to declare your works. Continue to witness, continue to win souls for you, continue to steal uh, souls from the devil. We thank you, Father, that the persecuted church is growing. It is increasing. Increase them in protection and strength. Recrease them in supernatural visitations of God. Increase their healings. Increase miracles. Increase all evidence that you are Lord. Father, we ask you to convert the hearts of these jailers who listen to testimonies all day long. 
I thank you that interrogators will become converts, that these people will hear these testimonies and their hearts will be touched, and that you will reveal yourself as the one true and living God, even to in this wickedness and in this evil. And we thank you for it, Lord. We bless you and we praise you. We honor you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. Little Howard, put us a little music on and we'll finish up. And thank God for the ability to continue on with our meeting. We did not miss anything. Amen. Amen. I can even take Coco a chicken bone or two for someone. Amen. Praise God. Feels like I've been down to the river. You washed away all my shame. No longer bound because I'm forgiven. Yeah. 